1: Hey, good afternoon and welcome, ladies and gentlemen. This is Gino Geraci. So glad you could join me on the program Crosswalk with Gino Geraci. It is, of course, the program where we typically take your calls and answer your questions about the things you care the most about, questions about God, Questions about the historical Jesus, questions about the Bible, questions about worldviews and world religions. If you'd like to join me on the program, the number 303-873-1935. That's 303-873-1935. And producer Jim Nichols will ask you what your question is. We'll make every effort to get your question or your comment on the program, 303 303- 8731935 on this miracle monday. It's a miracle monday because of course it looks like the Broncos have won 5 in a row, but it is not a sports program per se. But um I did watch the game and um so 3038731935 there was an article posted at, at ChristianHeadlines.com by Milton Quintanilla, who's a contributor for ChristianHeadlines.com. And um, what what was interesting about this, it was an updated article, um, updated to, well, today. And here's the headline, and I just thought this was very, very interesting. Christmas celebration canceled in Bethlehem, Jerusalem, Jordan. Amid the Israeli Hamas war. Now, when I read that headline, and I'm thinking, as you probably may or may not know, but the Palestinian Authority um, is sort of in charge of Bethlehem and control Bethlehem. And according to this article, Christmas celebrations in Bethlehem were canceled this year due to the attack between Israel. And Hamas it was reported by Fox News the patriarchs and heads of churches in Jerusalem which is an interdenominational council of bishops and pastors responsible for churches in Israel announced the decision November 10th in a joint letter now what this uh, I'll talk a little bit about the joint letter but but what was interesting to me is a thought experiment and the thought experiment of course has to do with a book that was written long ago by D. James Kennedy. He wrote a book entitled If Christ Had Not Come. In other words, it was a book that did the thought experiment, what would life be like if Jesus never showed up? And Again, I'm going to come back to to the letter, but in in Galatians chapter four, verse four, of course, it says that Jesus came at exactly the right time, born of a woman, born under the law. And I don't know if you remember the classic film "It's a Wonderful Life" with Jimmy Stewart, but it it it's a it's a thought experiment, if you will, uh, that features a, a man who is in a desperate situation. And, of course, in in the movie It's a Wonderful Life, um, Jimmy Stewart's character gets a look at what his life would be like if he had never been born. And so there's little things that take place, like as a young delivery boy, with drugs uh, to, to a needy family or or his brother is going to die um, in World War II, and so there's a series of things. but again, D. James Kennedy wrote a book about um, what would the world be like if Jesus had never been born? And the obvious answer is that you would still be in your sin. You in other words, if Jesus had never been born, that doesn't doesn't mean that God isn't a creator or that sin is a problem and human beings are without a, a savior. Some like Frederick Nietzsche in the nineteenth century, who was a German writer and philosopher, he considered the question. And the way he answered the question is, well, he thought that the world would be a better place if Jesus had never been born. He was quick to point out the sins of the church, thinking about witch hunts, inquisition, crusades. You could probably add to that list of all kinds of different things, including all kinds of abuse. According to Nietzsche, more people have been killed in the name of Christ than any any other name. That, of course, is, is not true, and it is clearly distorted because any careful um, examination of history will demonstrate that secularists, materialists, and atheists in China, Russia, North Korea, if uh, Cambodia, if you begin to add up the total dead from Stalin and Mao Zedong and other socialist, communist totalitarian regimes it's going to make the crusades look like a cakewalk. Now just imagine for a few moments what the world would be like if Jesus had never been born. Now imagine I'm going to come back to the article about them canceling or, or celebrating Christmas in Bethlehem this year. But Again, when you think about what Jesus has done for children, for women, for the elderly, for slavery, for for, for gladiators. So if, if you just pause and, and you begin to think about it, uh, it was Christianity that opposed and virtually eliminated infanticide in the Roman Empire. Now, again, infanticide has roared back in a totalitarian government, which basically says that a woman has a right to kill her unborn child for any reason or no reason at all. So human sacrifice. But Jesus and his followers, well, they founded orphanages and foundling homes. Women were valued equally to their male counterparts, Galatians 3.28. There's neither male nor female. The elderly, so it was Christianity that opposed euthanasia, that founded original, if you want to use the term, assisted living centers and, and homes for the aged. It was Christians and Christianity that made a conscientious effort to oppose slavery. It was Christianity that made gladi- gladiator games and put and put a stop to gladiator games. Eventually, with the advent and the proliferation of Christianity, this is not even to mention of uh, the civilizational impact on medicine, uh, benevolence, the founding of America, civil liberties, science, morality, education, changed lives. And, of course, in John chapter 10, verse 10, we learn that Jesus came so that we could have life and have it more abundantly. I'm going to suggest just like the movie, if you will, It's a Wonderful Life. That if Jesus had never come into the world, the world would be unrecognizable. So Jesus came into the world, not just for civilizational purposes or to enrich your life, but so that your sin could be taken away and so that you could have eternal life. So back to no Christmas in Bethlehem when we come back. 303-873-1935. Hey, welcome back Ladies and gentlemen, this is Gino Geraci, so glad you could join me on the program. The number is 303-873-1935, 303-873-1935. I was talking about the uh, interesting article that was posted at ChristianHeadlines.com by Milton Quintanilla, uh, reporting that Christmas celebrations canceled this year in Bethlehem, Jerusalem, Jordan and it's interesting to me again i was thinking about the thought experiment from it's a wonderful life of what the world would be like if there was no jesus that he never came he didn't live he didn't die he he didn't say the most remarkable things he He didn't preach uh, the most remarkable sermons. He never came. He never lived. He never died. He never came back to life. Now, again, we talked just a little bit about what the world would be like if there was no Jesus. We pointed out that, well, hospitals, science, um, orphanages, the world would be very much different and um d james kennedy wrote a book about this a long time ago um that was basically entitled um, if christ had had not come he also wrote another interesting book about what if the bible had never been written which um is interesting i don't know if it was d james kennedy or another person who wrote that after D. James Kennedy. I'll have to think about that for just a second. But, uh, again, Fox News reported that the patriarchs and the heads of the churches in Jerusalem um, basically issued a statement, a joint letter. It says, quote, each year during the sacred seasons of Advent and Christmastide, our Christian communities throughout the Holy Land take great delight in their preparations for commemorating the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So the patriarchs continued in their letter, quote, In addition to attendance and religious services, these celebrations have normally involved participation in numerous public festivities and large-scale Display of brightly lit and expensive decorations as a means of expressing our joy at the approach and arrival of the Feast of the Nativity. But these are not normal times. Since the start of the war, there's been an atmosphere of sadness and pain. Thousands of innocent civilians, including women and children, have died or suffered serious injury, the bishops added. Many more grieve over the loss of their homes, their loved ones, or the uncertain fate of those dear to them. Throughout the region, even more have lost their work and are suffering from serious economic challenges. Yet despite our repeated call for humanitarian ceasefire and a de-escalation of violence, the war continues pause pause in the in the letter pause and think about what he just said now it was i'm thinking it was mark twain maybe it was somebody else who said there's no such thing as a good war or bad peace and did I've I've repeatedly said the way to end this war and to end this violence is to win this war. Now, the Bible talks about blessed are the peacemakers. The Bible doesn't talk about blessed are the warmongers, but I'm gonna suggest to you that like everything else to everything there is a season that sometimes there really is a season where people have to fight to protect, to honor, to preserve life. Now, in this letter it says, Therefore we, the patriarchs and heads of the churches in Jerusalem, call upon our congregations to stand strong with those facing such afflictions by this year Forgoing any unnecessary festive activities. In other words, they said, let's cancel Christmas. Let's hold Christmas hostage, Advent hostage, the coming of Jesus hostage. They wrote, We likewise encourage our priests and the faithful to focus more on the spiritual meaning of Christmas in their pastoral activities and liturgical celebrations during the period. With all the focus directed at holding in our thoughts, our brothers and sisters affected by this war. Now, pause and think about that. Pause and think. We likewise encourage our priests and the faithful to focus focus on the spiritual meaning of Christmas. What is the spiritual meaning of Christmas? What an interesting thing to say. What is the spiritual meaning of Christmas? And what if the spiritual meaning of Christmas has something to do with the incarnation? What is the biblical meaning of the incarnation of Christ? And by the way, that's the coming of Jesus. That's the birth of Jesus. That's his coming into the world. Incarnation is a word that's used by theologians to indicate that Jesus, the Son of God, took on human flesh. There's another term that theologians use called the hypostatic union the difference is that the hypostatic union explains how jesus's two natures are joined and the incarnation specifically affirms his humanity so part of the meaning of christmas has to be the meaning that jesus came into a human world and that word incarnation by the way means the act of being made flesh. It comes from a Latin version of John chapter 1, verse 14, where the English reads, and the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Because of the near-exclusive use of the Latin Vulgate in the church through the Middle Ages, the Latin term became a standard term. And, of course, according to the Bible... Jesus is born. Jesus is human. The Gospels report that Jesus is a human being. He sleeps. He eats. He, has, he, he needs physical protection. Other indications of his humanity, he perspired in Luke 22. He bled in John chapter 19. He expresses emotions of joy and sorrow and anger. So if the purpose of the incarnation was not to taste food or to feel sorrow, the Son of God comes in the flesh in order to deal with the sin of humanity. The Bible says that he was born under the law. In Galatians four four. it says, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. All of us have failed to fulfill God's law. So Christ came in the flesh under the law to fulfill the law on our behalf. And again, it's the Savior who's going to shed his blood for the forgiveness of sin. And so if the spiritual meaning of Jesus is to come into the world... In order to bring the resources of forgiveness and reconciliation, why wouldn't you celebrate Jesus coming into the world? This is Gina Dracy, 303-873-1935. Hey, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Gino Geraci. So glad you could join me on the program. Happy to have you call 303-873-1935, 303-873-1935. Let's see who's up. Bruce, welcome to the program.
2: Oh, hey, Gino. Hey. Belated um, happy Thanksgiving.
1: Yeah, happy Thanksgiving to you,
2: too. Uh, I talking about uh, D. James Kennedy and, and others about, well, what if Christ had never come?
1: Yeah, it's such a and, great thought experiment, huh? What would the world be like had Jesus never come?
2: And, and you know, the Old Testament is infused with prophecy that, that all hinges around the coming of Christ, too. Because the comment I wanted to make is related to Old Testament with uh there was a series, film series that was out. It's been a while ago, so it kind of dates me, but it was with Francis Schaeffer, oh, How sure. Shall We Then Live? And uh, he had made a comment quoting Proverbs twenty-five, two, I believe it is, which was, you know, and in the New King James Version, the party of kings to search out the matter and the glory of God to conceal it. And actually it's inverted in the way it's stated in there. Mm -hmm. And he kind of contended that that was a significant reason for the uh, advancement of Western civilization uh, moving on beyond the the, uh, progress and uh, all the things that had been developed in the Chinese culture over time, like, you know, gunpowder. And everything but then going toward modern science it was that scientists like Newton and others come to realize that you know there there was something to be searched out you know like with that verse sure by 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 doing so uh, they they believe that God had you know just hidden from us the way he put things together but it was to you know, our honor to search that out. And that's the scientific method that got developed.
1: Exactly. You know, it's an intelligible, it's an intelligible universe in which we live and, and we're intelligent creatures. And so that's the idea. The idea is that reality can be evaluated and you can draw conclusions about it. Yeah.
2: And, and and I was just going to add to the uh, that science, religion, you know, or or you know, spiritual faith, belief, you know, in an eternal God are. They keep trying to say they're mutually exclusive, but, I mean, right there makes a point of it. I mean, because the the individual who's considered one of the greatest scientists of all time was uh, Sir Isaac Newton. By the way, he was born on Christmas Day in 1642.
1: Yeah, isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? And, you know, again, many scientists obviously... um, are grateful for his Mathematica Principia, Principia, but okay, and, and the calculus and, the, and calculus and the Newtonian laws, but they forget why he created calculus. Remember, he, Newton's also a mystic and he is a, he is in a way an alchemist. He and he, yeah, he his, is a bad biblicist. Bad yeah, so he has some mystical subjective leanings because he believes that it's an ordered universe but he believes it's a created universe but he also believes in the revelation that as as a as a legitimate source of information so you talk about the epistemic um method where how do we get information knowledge that's reliable Newton w- was willing to concede the, the the scientific method but he was also impressed with what he believed was revelation based on prophecy what's interesting to me about what your your comment you know what what it made me think bruce is that if jesus had never come then the old testament actually isn't true because it prophesies his coming and the prophecies Mm -hmm. failed so, guess what? The yeah, revelation—the revelation—is not real or true because he never came. Um, now, again, that's with the the thought experiment. So, I was thinking about that as well. It's where all of the prophecies leading up to you know, virgin birth, uh, Bethlehem, um, and and you know, born of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Judah, David all of that not true it never happened so it's it's interesting to me that what that would mean because to me the most compelling one of the most compelling reasons to believe that revelation is a reputable reliable source of information is because of fulfilled prophecy if there mm-hmm. is no fulfilled prophecy then revelation whatever that is is has no has either little or no value.
2: Yeah. Well. So I mean, I just thought that that was a, an interesting point to be made. You know, so that you know, when we uh, talk about a biblical worldview, that biblical worldview and you know the morality that you know we extract from the teachings in the Bible are are just uh, codified even more by the the verification through the scientific process, the what the Bible taught and how it inspired individuals like Newton, you know, to, you know, give sure. give it weight as a a practical and worthwhile thing to pursue in that direction instead of descending into a paganistic culture like it seems that we've been on and, course uh, and, and and diving deeper quicker.
1: And I think that's science's dilemma right at this very moment. The dilemma of science is the rejection of paganism, but then you look at the woke ideology and even science gets a little bit frightened because the woke People are basically saying, no, the scientific method is a civilizational construct. It is not a philosophical construct like the correspondence theory of truth that that there's we're back to the intelligibility that the universe is intelligible and and that that the universe itself, the laws of nature, if you will, can bring forth testimony uh, concerning reality. And, and so science knows that that's true. They know that fire is hot and that ice is cold and that if you stay below freezing weather for an extended period of time, you could die, just like what's happened to, to homeless people over the weekend. And, and, and so that's yeah. a tragedy. That's a great tragedy. But imagine there's no Jesus and there's no Bible, and, there, and, and the paradox that, there, that human beings aren't made in the image of God, the sacredness of human life is, again, a construct it's an artificial construct. It's not really true if you don't want it to be true.
2: Well, that's that postmodern nonsense where right. they say if you believe it's true, it's true for you. And. I, I even made a joke on commenting to somebody that they were complaining about daylight savings time. And then I'll shut up that. And, <laughs> and, 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 you know, cause they wanted it to stay daylight longer. So everybody could be happy and enjoy themselves. And, and I said, well, Hey, this is an opportunity for all those postmodern relativists out there. They should have a big believe in gathering where they all believe that it's true, that next, summer when the sun crosses the summer solstice, they can all just believe that they will make it stop and stay there and then everybody be happy and enjoy themselves from that point on. And we won't have to have daylight savings time anymore. They just have to believe it's true, right? Because they say there's no such thing as absolute truth. Now, I know that's all baloney, but right. I was just kind of saying it kind of tongue in cheek. You know. Sure. To, Kind of take a shot at the nonsense of that postmodern relativistic attitude, which will take down our culture if it keeps becoming a predominant part of the way people roll in this culture.
1: Hey, thanks for your call.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Hey, thanks again, Gino. You take care.
1: I'll be back. Hey, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. The number's 303-873-1935, 303-873-1935. We're talking about Bethlehem, well, canceling Christmas, but they're not the only ones who have canceled Christmas. And uh, according to um, certain sources like ChristianHeadlines.com and Fox News, um Weeks prior to the Bethlehem cancellation, patriarchs and heads of the church in Jerusalem urged Christians in the Holy Land to pull back from unnecessarily festive Christmas activities. At the same time, Catholic churches in the Galilee and the Council of Local Evangelical Churches have made the same decision. So according to Christianity Today... Jordan, the country of Jordan, was the first country to cancel their Christian celebrations because of an announcement by the Jordan Council of Church Leaders. And in Jordan, Christmas is a very big deal. So again, we were doing the thought experiment. And what would that be like Um as we consider what if Jesus had never come. And one of the things that's interesting is when you think about the concept of the sacredness of human life, is that something peculiar? or unique to Christianity, I think that Judaism has a high regard for life. I think that there are other cultures that have a high regard for life, but maybe not for the same reason. In other words, again, in Judaism and Christianity, human beings are made in the image of God. So when we think about life, Jesus respected the poor, healed the sick, in an age when the poor and the sick were often despised and neglected. It was the teaching of Jesus that would eventually lead, again, to the overthrow of slavery and then literally put an end to civilizational practices like uh, in the Roman culture of the exposure of unwanted infants, but it wasn't just the sacredness of human life it was the value of the soul in luke chapter 12 verse 15 it says a man's life consists not in the abundance of the things which he possesses and of course you'll remember what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul and in matthew chapter 6 verse 19 it talks about don't laying up for yourself treasures upon the earth where moth and rust consume where thieves break through and steal but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth consume and where thieves do not break through or steal so we talked about the nobility of of what it means to be a woman or the brotherhood of man Um, or the fatherhood of God in the sense of the prodigal son. Jesus pictures the heavenly father as a loving father who yearns for his wayward child to come home. And, of course, Jesus provides a standard of living, the pattern of Christian living is set forth on the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus says, you therefore shall be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Now, the standard is perfection. Who lives up to that standard? No one except for Jesus himself. So is he A perfect example to follow the writer of Hebrews says for we don't have a high priest who cannot be touched with the feelings uh, for we have not a high priest that cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities but one who has been in all points tempted like we are yet without sin so without Christ men would be like sheep without a shepherd but with Christ we follow in his footsteps but again to to a point in the sense that does the example of his life save us no do the miracles that he performed save us no it's the sacrifice that he made on the cross of calvary according to the new testament that saves us so no jesus no forgiveness of sin. The prophet Isaiah said, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone his own way. And the Lord or Jehovah has laid on him. The iniquities of us all. That's Isaiah 53, verses 5 and 6. 303 873 1935. That's the number if you want to join me on the program. Like I said, it's easy peasy to do. You pick up the phone, you dial the number 303 873 1935. You know, the excuse I find not compelling. Among the churches to not celebrate Christmas. They talked about grief and mourning and tears. The way I think about it is in First Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 13, Paul, Paul argues, we don't want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep. that That's a euphemism for being dead or to grieve like those rest of the men who have no hope, the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we be with the Lord forever. In Matthew 5, 4, Jesus says, Blessed, o blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. So why in the world would you want to distance yourself in the midst of unimaginable grief? And I'm willing to concede is what is happening in this great big world, whether we're talking about the Israel Hamas situation, or we're talking about what's going on in parts of Africa, if we're talking about what's going on in Armenia, if we're talking about the Uyghur desperation in China, is there a great deal of suffering all around this world? The answer is yes. In Revelation chapter 21, it talks about now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. And, of course, Paul writes, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, Who comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves received from God? Jesus is the source of comfort. Celebrate Jesus. I'll be back taking your calls, answering your questions.